You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Pets in the City is brought to you by 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. 1-800-PET-MEDS is your best source for pet medications, vitamins, supplements, and pet supplies. Get great savings, fast service, and free shipping. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash city, C-I-T-Y, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Step onto the sexy streets of animal attraction that is New York City. Welcome to Pets in the City, Life in the Urban Jungle. Join host Diane West as she explores the exciting lives, loves, and laments of the people and pets in the world's greatest city. Pets in the City, like the city itself, has something for everyone. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So get ready to get dressed to the canines and take a bite out of the Big Apple with your Pets in the City host, Diane West. Well, the fall is here. Not officially, but pretty much so, at least in New York. And a sure sign of that is when we see the streets alive with the sound of pitter-pattering, or shall I say banging feet, from the New York City Marathon. It is really exciting, even if you're not a runner, just to see the energy and the mass of people that are running a 26.2-mile course on their own without a gun to their head, which always astonishes me. But we have somebody on the phone who will explain to us a little bit more about what would possess someone to do this and he actually does have a great reason that possesses him to do this i'm here with Braden matthews welcome thanks a lot for having me diane really really appreciate the opportunity so tell us what possesses someone to run 26.2 miles voluntarily um well uh, i mean i guess i think you have to be a little bit crazy but there's but there's 43,000 <laughs> runners out there so i don't think we're all on uh you know on crazy meds or anything so <laughs> i think there's definitely a lot of passionate people i think uh you know if you look historically at marathons they've increased as a popular sport in our country and you know around the world triathlons as well so the numbers i think when i first started running the new york city marathon back in 02 is probably in the in the 20 plus thousand range and now i think it's 43,000 runners for uh, you know for this year so wow. it gets bigger and bigger every, uh, yeah i mean it gets bigger and bigger every year and i think um, you know it, it you know it's really increased in uh, you know in older people as well that like to get out there and run so so to answer your question, what you know possesses some someone to do it? You know, I think it's a challenge for you know for me. It's once a year I really get out there and try to raise money for a, a cause that I'm passionate about. And so um, you know, it's one of those days you you know you give back. I think there's uh, I don't know who thought of the slogan, but to uh, you know to think global and you know and act local. So when I look across the you know the world and and you know at animals and animal causes, I you know I try to kind of drum that down to a local cause, a local charity, and that's what I do every year. So you do this, your motivation is for the animals. And from what I understand, you've done it for different groups in the past. I know last year we had spoken actually, and you have been doing it for United Action for Animals, which helps uh, among other things, you know, address dog fighting as well as rescue work. And uh, how much did you end up raising last year? 
So I think last year was was over 7,000. This year so far, um, I'm close to 6,500. So I'm close to last year's mark. You know, still a bunch of days to you know to go. And it's just a way to kind of also show a different side to you know yourself too. So if, you know, if you're a runner out there, and uh, you know, let's say you have a bunch of clients that you serve, you know, a certain niche, or you, you know, you go to work every day, and you have a lot of people that you're friendly with, but don't see this other side of you. That's kind of something that I like to do is send out an email with, say, a cause that I'm raising money for, and all of a sudden it sheds a whole different side of your personality that people were unaware of. A, they, they you know, they weren't aware that you were running a marathon. B, they weren't aware that you're passionate about a certain cause. I think it gives people an opportunity to kind of address different sides of their personality and show people and their clients as well kind of a different side. So Now, yeah, I mean, for you, I would imagine you probably get some surprises because I, I will just say, as you had described yourself, you're in finance, but you're pretty high up the finance chain. So I could imagine, as you were saying, you tell a client or, or a colleague that this is what you do and you do it for animals. What's the most uh, surprising and perhaps encouraging response you've gotten that you can remember? Well, I actually had a client that called called up the other day, and they've called every year. But but this, this was a client that actually I really really talked to, and they're in my email distribution list. And I I learned that this individual is very passionate about dogs, and that their dream is to own a farm and have fifteen to twenty rescues kind of running around. And and this firm ended up giving me five you know a five hundred dollar donation. So that can make a huge impact. And that's one email, that's one client out of maybe five, 500 to well over a thousand clients I have. So all it takes is one email to really make a dramatic impact on the donations that you're, that you're trying to raise. And you'd be surprised whether it's animals or, you know, cancer. I mean, my mom had breast, breast cancer. My father's had, you know, a stroke in his past. There's, there's any, I mean, we're, we are all afflicted by different diseases, by um, things that, you know, or just influenced by things that we're passionate about, whether it's kids or whatever the cause is. So, so to send out an email to people that you're close with or not close with, that you're trying to get closer with, I think it's just a great way to, like I said before, kind of show a different side of yourself and kind of create a reason why you're running. I mean, a lot of people... I'm sure out of the 43,000 runners just run to get a personal best time or just run to say that they've run a marathon. But if you put a charity behind it as well, I think it's a really, really strong uh, statement that you're, that, that you're uh, making. And, and it doesn't have to be a marathon. It can be a 10K. It can be a half marathon. It can be whatever you want it to be. And now when you say, I think that's a great point, when you say, you know, you show a different side to yourself, to people whom you, you would otherwise interact on, on a different, I imagine that probably helps uh, facilitate relationships with what your clients and maybe even new clients as well, because you have that common ground there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've, I've had internal people here that I, that I work with that have forwarded the email out to their friends. So it doesn't just stop with your immediate base. Uh, you know, I think it goes even, uh, you know, it goes well, well beyond that. And so I think that that's, that that's a way to just, it's just a way to help. You know, the cause that I'm doing it for this, this, this year, a lot of times they camp out in Union Square in New York City. And so you'll walk by and you'll see the dogs outside trying to find homes. You'll see the cats outside in cages. And so it kind of, you know, kind of really brings it to home. And, you know, you'll see them out there with their donation jars and just people are throwing in change or dollar, you know, or dollar bills or whatever. And if you can raise close to $7,000 for these people, it's, it's a big impact. You know, these are people that I probably would have never met before, and, you know, it makes you feel good. Now, Braden, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the lucky benefactors of your 
race efforts this Sunday. We'll be right back. All right, this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the City will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Pets in the City is brought to you by Petco.com. Petco is a leading specialty retailer of premium pet food supplies and services, offering more than 10,000 high-quality pet-related products. Enter the code PETCITY10, that's P-E-T-C-I-T-Y, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. There's a movement afoot, ShoeBuy.com. Join the millions of people who shop ShoeBuy.com's over 400 brands and 500,000 products. Order now and get free shipping and free return shipping. ShoeBuy.com, the world's greatest shoe store. Walk your dog in style and comfort. Enter the code PETCITY, P-E-T-C-I-T-Y, at checkout and get a 10% discount plus free shipping at ShoeBuy.com. Question, what do I want? What do I need? I'll take affection. I really should mention I need time. I need love. I crave attention. How many pets is too many? Do you know somebody whose life is overwhelmed by their animals? Maybe we can help. We're looking for people to be in a new TV series about really large animal families. We can offer expert help, free resources, and the chance to tell their story. If you or someone you know owns a house full of animals, call us toll-free at 1-877-MY-8-PETS. That's 1-877-MY-8-PETS. Welcome to Sassy Seniors, a show about our fabulous older dogs and cats. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson. You know, I wanted to create a show to really showcase our senior pets. And you know, as the human population ages and lives longer, of course, so are our wonderful pets. But many of us with aging pets, it's so interesting. We have a tough time realizing or really admitting that they are seniors. So in a way, I kind of like to think of our senior pets as, as wise puppies. What do you think about that? Be sure to join us for another dish of Sassy Seniors. And remember, celebrate your senior pets. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties, Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast. Right, Diane? And went back with Braden, who has been training really hard for the New York City Marathon, which again is coming up this Sunday, November 6th. 
and there's many reasons that people do the marathon and one of the reasons two of the reasons that Braden is doing it this year are very special to his heart two wonderful animal charities here in New York Ollie's Place and Mighty Mutts now um, Braden before the break you actually started to describe kind of the pardon the pun the guerrilla tactics that Mighty Mutts uses in Union Square they're pretty amazing I mean they really honestly do camp out in Union Square with the dogs. Can you kind of describe it for our listeners a little bit? Like, you know, if you were walking in Union Square, what it would look like to you? Sure, sure. So you'd probably see um, a bunch of folks kind of camping out in the middle of Union you know, Square with, uh, you know, dogs on leashes with, with kind of a blanket over them saying, rescue me. And these are dogs and, you know, and cats that maybe have been brought to a shelter because the owners could no longer afford them, or maybe they had a kid and they didn't want to deal with a pet anymore, which which I find very, very hard to believe, because to me, pets are like kids. But, you know, whatever the reason is, whether it's financial duress, whether it's someone that has just let the dog out into the street, you know, and abandoned him, or, you know, a cat for that matter. I think there's a lot of studies in, you know, in major cities, there's a lot of homeless cat cats out there that roam the streets. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, to kind of create what I see when I walk in front of a Petco and I see all the cat cages outside with people trying to, um, you know, adopt up to them. I mean, they always draw a crowd. I think people are drawn to animals. I th- you know, if you ever walk by a pet store and you see the puppies playing in the window, you always see a crowd out there watching. So, you know, pe- people, I think, for the, for the most part, are drawn to animals and animal causes. And so if you walk to Union Square, that's some of the types of stuff that you would see. You know, and a lot of these, and I mean, most of the animals are very, very special. You know, have have had a difficult life beforehand, and so you know, whether you throw a you know a quarter in or you know whatever it is, it's you know it's always helpful. Yeah, I mean, they're they're really out there. I mean, I know when I go out there, they're out there in all kinds of weather, too. I mean, they're sitting there with the dogs, which, you know, I have never met a dog from there that didn't have an extremely sweet temperament. And they're usually pretty big dogs, too. And and I know what you mean. It's interesting to see people's react. It's like they kind of stop short. It's like, oh, there's a dog. What's what's a dog doing there? (laughs) Yep. Yeah, but like a lot of the people involved do uh, temperament testing on all the animals because it doesn't make sense to try to have an animal adopted that doesn't have a good temperament and is going to cause an issue, whether it's for legal reasons or whether it's just for um, the well-being of the dog or for the family as well, you know, whether it's a dog, a cat, you know, whatever the animal may be. So they do temperament testing. They They have experts that are involved in these organizations and you know, veterinarians and volunteers as well that do a lot of analytical work in all the animals. So it's not like you're going into a situation where uh, the product is going to be uncertain. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that that's a you know that that's the benefit as well. And that just is kudos to all the people that get involved in these types of things and really make an effort to make sure it's done right. And so I think when it comes time to raising money for and you know an organization too, I kind of did a little research as well and spoke to a bunch of people that were involved to make sure. It wasn't just going to be the type of organization where you don't know where the money is going to. Like maybe the donations are going towards someone buying a new purse for all you know, or like, uh, you know, or paying their rent or, you know, or whatnot. So you really wanted to make make sure that the people involved are upstanding in their morals and everything else. And and, uh, the money that's being raised is going directly to the well-being of the animals. 
you as a financial expert, you, you raise a really great point there. I mean, do you think, I, I know we're just speaking in a microcosm here, but do you think if people had a better understanding of where exactly their donations went that would encourage them to donate more? I mean, you kind of, it's almost like you kind of write a check and then you're not quite sure where it goes. Right. I think in the mid-size to small types of organizations, they're definitely going towards the well-being of, you know, the animals, um, assuming that the people involved are, you know, like I said, you know, of high regard because there's just so many bills. I mean, there's vet bills, there's food, food bills, there's bills to keep uh, the lights on, et cetera. Whereas with, I think, a lot of the larger organizations, you're, it, it's kind of a little, little bit more hazy. Um, and not as visible as to where your money is going towards. For all you know, it's going towards buying paper for the copy machine on the 10th floor. You know, right. really don't know. Which might be necessary. Yes, absolutely. 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 Um, so when I, when I kind of look at the landscape of who I want to raise money for, it's really for those that I can make the biggest impact. I mean, I've already gotten emails from people on the staff of, uh, of uh, Mighty Matsunali's place thanking me just for thinking of them because it's going to make a big impact. And these are people that have volunteered that have now moved down to Miami. You know, I got an email from uh, someone that's, you know, that's moved on, but, uh, uh, but heard about the money raising cause. So it's all good. It's all good. And like I said, it, you know, it's a way to think, you know, to think global and act local. I mean, I'd love to save the dolphins and, you know, in Japan too. I mean, there's a lot of dolphin killing going, uh, going on there. I watched a movie on it called the cove, which is, which, which was fascinating, but it's just horrific. Yeah. But once again, it's like, okay, do I do I want to think about the dolphin killing that's going on in you know in Japan, or do I want to think about the dogs and cats that live in my neighborhood, you know, that are twenty or thirty 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 blocks away and don't have celebrities rallying behind them? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, so that's kind of what I what I try to think about is where I can make the most impact. Exactly, and I think a lot of them fall under the radar too, as as you were saying. Now, so we talked a little bit about Mighty Mutts. Tell us a little bit about Ollie's place. So Ollie's place is the same deal. Uh, they have they you know rescue cats off the streets. The people that are involved really really need uh, the funding just to just to stay operational. You know to get involved in that cause was you know was obviously a great thing. They actually recently had a volunteer just a few years older than me that's passed away that was heavily involved um, oh, in in uh, Ollie's place and he's profiled on their on their website. But mm-hmm. um. You know, it's really just a way. One, uh, one, uh, once again, it's a similar, uh, you know, theme and theme and uh, business plan as a mighty much is. You know, the rescue of animals, the placement in good homes. Uh, this profiles up on the website of all the homes where the cats have been placed and what they're doing. You know, what their personalities are like and what they like to do. Whether it's hanging out in the sun and sunbathing or eating a full meal or whatever it is that they like to do. You know, it's kind of fascinating and and once again, it's great to see the families that have taken these animals in. You know, into their homes and had you know, and have had fantastic experiences. So, I mean, that's another way that, you know, just somebody could tangibly see, oh, you know, look, I, I donated to this place and uh, look, there, there's, you know, somebody enjoying their new home there and uh, a new family. Oh, yeah. I mean, on, I mean, on both websites, there's profiles of all the dogs and cats that are currently up for adoption and mm-hmm. there's profiles of, of most of the animals that have been adopted and what they're doing. I mean, that's great to show you, oh, look, see, you know, here's uh, someone who was adopted through us, and, and it was a happy ending, hopefully, all the time. So that's good. Now, Brayden, I want to switch gears a little bit for um, our runners out there. 
tell me a little bit about your training. How I mean, I know you have an extremely demanding job that probably you're probably working all hours of the day and night. How do you fit your training for a marathon into that? Well, I think you just got to have, you know, you got to be high on the energy level and low on the excuse level. So uh, <laughs> you know, we all work long hours. It's a terrible economy. We got a 10% unemployment rate. Uh, you know, you're lucky to have a job. Mm. Um, you know, and so you kind of got to make, make yourself an indispensable person. So that's on the work side. So then on the training side, it's after work. You know, it's on week weekends on a Saturday. I can put in a long run. The New York Roadrunners Club is excellent here in uh, New York City because they – they have a lot of runs that they schedule for the runners that are involved in this organization leading up to that race, to, you know, the marathon. So they had a practiced 18-mile run about a month, a month and a half ago where they line the whole course, which is Central Park, the six-mile loop, which you go around three times with, with Gatorade, water, et cetera. So usually if you were training for one of, one of these things, then you didn't have the benefit of racing in one of these sponsored races that New York Roadrunners Club does. You'd probably have a belt with Gatorade around it, or some, you know, or some kind of energy water. You'd be hiding your water or Gatorade in the bushes around Central Park, so it's not as ideal. Um, so, so it's just one one of those things where where I do a little bit of that. I also have a running watch that I bought, which uh, you know, which has the distance and uh, your pace per mile on there. But I'm I'm really not a scientific runner. It's more of just the way my body feels. It's, you know, like I said, it's what I ate that day. It's, um, it's uh, you know, what I'm weighing. I mean, if you're, weigh, you know, if you're running a marathon and you weigh five or six pounds above what your normal weight is that you have to cart around, that, that certainly is going uh, to affect you. If you're running in 90-degree weather versus 40-degree weather, I mean, the colder the better. It's, it makes a huge difference. That, that, that can be minutes off your time. So I five or six pounds will make a difference? Really? Oh, I think so. Absolutely. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, when, you know, when I'm not really training for a marathon, I, I might weigh, say, 182 or 183. When I'm training, when I'm riding the marathon, I'll probably weigh, I'll get down to like 177. So it makes a big difference. Wow. Um, and then just on the heat factor, I mean, if you're running a marathon in Florida versus close to the wintertime in New York City, huge difference. It's a lot harder to run in the heat. That slows you down. You know, I've seen that, and forgive me for, I, I guess, shall we say, being runner profiling, but I, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, just a, a casual viewer of the marathon, it does seem like the folks from the Nordic and the colder countries seem to do better when the weather's colder, and the folks, you know, internationally who come from the hotter weather climates seem to do better when it's hotter here. Is that, right. is, I, that's my well, unscientific observation. <laughs> Well, I think that's probably because they're used to training in, in you know, those types of temp temperatures. So if you're from Denver, Colorado, you're obviously going to run a lot faster in the Denver Marathon because you're training there the whole time and the altitude is higher and you're used to the lack of oxygen. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're going to Denver from New York City and you're running in that marathon, you know, you're probably going to get crushed. You know, it's similar to when the NFL teams go and play the Denver Broncos at Mile High Stadium the Denver Broncos feel like they have an advantage. And that's because of the altitude. It takes a while to get used to that. So, I mean, I've, I've been up to, um, you, know, I, you know, I've been up in those areas a couple of years ago and just running a casual two or three mile run takes a lot more effort than running around the loop in Central Park. It's a, you know, once again, it's a big difference. So they kind of have the home field advantage based on the climate that they're used to training in. It's really amazing. I mean, just what the human body could do. I mean, somebody I know that's a, uh, 
that's like a top triathlete, they said, well, a lot of it is, you know, you're visualizing whether you could do it or not. And, you know, I always thought that was kind of like a platitude, but it seems like it's true. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's definitely the case too. I think when people are, are planning on running their first marathon, you know, and this goes with, you know, if anything in life, I mean, when I first went to business school, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to business school. I have to learn finance and accounting and all this stuff. It was kind of daunting at first. And then you get there and you put the work in and, you, you know, and you study and then you do well. It's the same thing with, say, a marathon. You know, you start off, when I first did my first marathon on O2, the most I'd ever run is six miles. I'd only run the loop. I had to train for the my first New York City marathon about 10 weeks later because it was the year after 9-9-11 and they had two lotteries and the second lottery opened up. I had 10 weeks to train. I found out in the second lottery. So I went from running six to then I tried to run 12 that first weekend. A couple weekends later, they had to practice say 18 in the park. I did that. And then it kind of just went from, you know, it went from from there. But lining up for my first marathon and realizing that I had 26.2 miles in front of me, you kind of, <laughs> you know, you do have doubts. I mean, you do have doubts and you have no idea how your body is going to react to mile 22, 23. I mean, you can put all the training in you want, but it just could be a bad day. I mean, there's a lot of elite runners out there that train for months and months and they get to the marathon and they walk off the course at 17 because they tweaked a calf or their stomach's upset or whatever it is. So you really don't know what's going to happen. You can just put in the time, you do your best, and you know, and you see kind of kind of where uh, the chips fall. But definitely, the mental side is huge. I don't think when you're in those early 21, 22, 23 mile areas, you're really in the mindset of, you know, I'm having a great time. <laughs> it's, it's really a lot of pain. I mean, your feet hurt, your knees hurt, your hips hurt. It's more of a pain endurance type of exercise for, 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 for me than it is a cardiovascular exercise. So I think at that point, it really is your mental state and, and just wanting to finish and making sure you have the drive and, you know, the resolve to do that. But once again, you can't ignore your body. I mean, there's people out there that, uh, you know, that run 100 miles, you know, that run 100 miles. Oh, God, is this Iron Man? They are absolutely out of their mind. They're out of their mind. Yeah. It's actually <laughs> so- a great book. Um, there's a, a great book called Born, Born to Run. I forget who the author is. It's Christopher something. But mm-hmm. it's out there, and it's a great book about barefoot running. And I'm not someone that necessarily subscribes to that. I, I tried to run on a treadmill once with my socks on, and I almost ripped my calves off. But, but it's a fascinating book about, about um, you know, this Indian tribe in Mexico that runs barefoot and what they do. And, and you know, and they, they run 50, 75, 100-mile marathons. One of the top is forgive me. Is it Meb, the one of the top yep. runners? He yep. does he run barefoot actually, I or he don't did? Think so I, I'm not sure. You know, I can't answer that. Um, you know, with an educated answer. But you know, a lot of the shoes now are lightweight anyway, so it, it almost is like running barefoot. But there are an increasing number of runners that literally are running barefoot. I saw that, like, um, on one of the feeds this morning that, yeah, they had a lot of people, you know, calling New York Roadrunners saying, you know, can I, you know, use the essentially barefoot shoes? It looks like you even have to put each toe individually into a little yes. space there. I mean, I guess they said it was fine, but, yeah, I, I mean, I guess there's some people that are worried about injuries, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely people that, you know, that subscribe to uh you know, to the barefoot running, and there's and there's studies that 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 show that it that it can be beneficial. So I think it's whatever floats your boat, whatever you prefer. Well, I mean, I guess when we were you know evolving, we were running around barefoot without you know specially calibrated sneakers. So I guess 
I guess yep. it's possible. Yeah, but yeah, but we weren't running across the potholes and glass in New York City either. So. <laughs> true. It's true. a little more rudimentary. So listen, I'll run barefoot on a beach any day. I don't know if I'll try that through the streets of New York. That would be a challenge. But, you know, Braden, yeah. you, you are brave to do the marathon. And just tell us, I know um, you really have this mighty mutts in Ollie's place close to your heart. So when you hit that wall, that infamous wall, is it what, like mile 18 or something? Yep. Yep. What roughly is, around there. Do you, I mean, honestly, do you start thinking about mighty mutts in Ollie's place or kind of what you're doing it for? Does that help keep you going? Absolutely. I mean, I think you think about everything. You think about your family. You think about the people you're close with. You think about, uh, you know, the plate of wings and nachos you're going to have afterwards, you know, about an hour or two, two, two afterwards. So, so I, you know, I kind of think that you think about everything. You know, you definitely think about the cause that you're running, running for. You know, you think about, about the impact that you're making. But, you know, beyond that, you're thinking about your friends, your family, and, uh, you know, definitely a pizza a couple hours later. So. <laughs> <laughs> and that ice bath. Correct. I mean, it's really the it's really the only time that I, in theory, do not feel guilty for what I eat. So, <laughs> well, you shouldn't. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, listen. Good luck with this countdown here. I'm sure you're gonna do great. Mm-hmm. What do you think your time's gonna be? Well, last t- last year I had my best time ever. It was a 3:23. Wow. So it's about a 7 7:47 mile pace, or so, you know, or something of that that nature. So I'm hoping to beat that. But you know, it really you know it really depends. I mean, there's some that subscribe to going out faster. There's some that subscribe to going out slower, and then trying to run the second half uh, marathon faster than the you know the first half. And I I mean I find that logic crazy, frankly. I I, I just kind of believe in going out as fast as you can, and whenever you peter out, you peter out. So you're you know, all out from all the all out. I try to. <laughs> I try so, to as long as my heart rate's not you know extremely high when I start started out. I try to push at a a reasonable pace because I know at mile 18, 19, no matter how much I want to run faster, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, well, listen, how can our listeners add to your enthusiasm and could they still make some donations to your Ollie's Place and Mighty Mutts? Absolutely. So um, the goal is to get to $10,000. So we're close to seven now. So even $20, $40, $100, everything helps. The website is www.olliesplace.org, and I'll spell it for you. It's O-L-L-I-E-S, and then P-L-A-C-E dot org. So Ollie's Place is one word. You know, it has a picture of me up there and, uh, you know, Gunther, which is a dog I used to have that passed away. It has a profile of the individual that used to raise money for, you know, for Ollie's Place and passed away. You know, like I said, the proceeds are going to both organizations, whether you're a cat lover or a uh, a dog lover, it's helping out both. So, you know, we're not being biased here. So Okay, so but Ali's Place is the place to make the donation. Correct. Yeah, okay. but it's Ali's Place dot org. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that goes into It'll the definitely get into to the, the right bot- hands. Okay. Yeah, right. but it's tax deductible. So, you know, in theory you can uh print you can well not in theory, I mean you can print out the uh, you know receipt and hand it to your accountant. So it's really you know, if you give a hundred dollars it's really like you're giving what, like sixty dollars because you're getting a tax benefit. So def- you know, it's definitely a good cause. And guys, you're hearing this from a financial expert, so you know that this right. is true here. So. Uh, exactly. So, Braden, thank you so much, and we're all going to be pulling for you. And, uh, thank you very much, Diane. And that's it. Get running again, Braden. Thanks a lot. Appreciate the time. Thanks. Bye. All right. Take care. This is a Pelham Bay Parkbound. Six local trains.
All right, this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the city will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Pets in the City is brought to you by Pet Care Rx, America's most affordable pet pharmacy. Pet Care Rx offers the same meds as top vets, but with a savings up to 50%. And if you find a lower price on a certified EPA and FDA approved medication, Pet Care Rx will match that price. So go to petcarerx.com. Use promo code PETCITY10. P-E-T-S-C-I-T-Y, the number 10, and receive $10 off orders of $50 or more. FTD's network of over 40,000 florists around the world have been creating beautiful handcrafted arrangements for 100 years. Each arrangement is delivered the same day and backed by FTD's 7-day satisfaction guarantee. For a century, people have trusted their most important occasions to the flower experts at FTD. Since Pet Life Radio is all about puppy dogs and flowers, our listeners, that's you, can get a 20% discount on your order. Just go to floorup.com and use the code PETCITY at checkout. F-L-E-U-R-O-P dot com. Code word P-E-T-S-C-I-T-Y. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash city, C-I-T-Y, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take me home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties. Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast. Right, Diane? And that'll do it for this week's episode of Pets in the City on Pet Life Radio. And again, if you're going to be around in the city on Sunday, November 7th, definitely try and get out to see the New York City Marathon. It's really quite festive. The whole city gets involved. Um, just go to the New York City Marathon website and you'll find some really good viewing areas in your borough. 
there because it's five boroughs, so it's really great. Just wanted to mention that in addition to Braden, whom we just spoke to, running and raising money for Ollie's Place and Mighty Mutts, uh, have to mention that there's some other groups that are also running for animals. For example, the Mayor's Alliance for New York City Animals has their team Miles for Paws, and they'll be participating in the race to raise money for New York City's homeless animals, so that's great. And we also have these PCA has their furry friends untied to raise money for them as well. So check that out. I'll put all this info on our website here. And again, that'll do it for this week. I'm looking forward to bringing more folks to you from the city who love their pets. Thanks to all of our sponsors and thanks to you. Hopefully you'll be checking out our sponsors and buying some of their goods. I want to thank my producer, Mark Winter, and our whole Pet Life Radio family as well. Thanks again, and I will see you later. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Join us each week for Pets in the City with your host, Diane West. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So take a bite out of the Big Apple with Pets in the City. Every week, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>